Ah, there we go. Okay, here, let's hope this is working. And let me grab my phone because my comments are better on my phone. I gotta learn how to do this mute thing because um, it doesn't like to mute on my phone. All right, super. It sounds like we are probably live now. So I'm going to kick into live mode, whether we are or we aren't. Uh, and I'm just going to make sure that it's running up. Uh, so this is Joy Foster, and I'm the founder of Tech Pixies. And we have been talking in January, the month of January, all about money. And last week, we uh, talked about why it's so important to uh, kind of come to grips with money, especially as a woman, uh, because women tend to struggle a bit with the concept of money. Uh, and I, I will have to say, I have learned a lot. And one of the things I've learned is that mindset is huge when it comes to money. Um, and, and I've been reading uh, a bunch of books. One of the books I started reading uh, this week is The Illusion of Money. And, um, and I've, I've been doing, uh, and also The Latte Factor. And, you know, just really trying to understand why the importance of wrapping your head around money and what it means. Uh, and so I've got with me today, not a money expert actually, um, but a legal guru and an email expert. And the reason I wanted an email expert on the podcast today slash livecast was because in the online world, if you're selling a product online, whether it's a, an actual product or whether it's a service, you need to know how to leverage email. So Bobby... Thank you for being here tonight. Well, and for you, it's the afternoon, isn't it? Yeah, well, thank you for having me. Um, and, and just so you know, it's not just women who struggle with money. Men, yeah. men we, we have a lot of, we have different baggage often, but we have a lot of baggage about money too. Oh, I, I love that you said that because um, probably we, we, as women, we don't have, we don't feel like that. So it's great that a man can say that and uh, inform us that it's a case for both types of people, men and women. Um, so... I have come to believe, and I, I know you definitely believe this, um, that emails are really important in terms of uh, driving money in a business. Uh, and let's talk about why. Why do, why do you think that is? Why is it so important? I mean, a lot of people think email is dead, uh, but you know, it is definitely most certainly alive. Yeah, yeah. People have been predicting the death of email for better part of like two decades now. People have been saying email is dead, email is dead, email is dead. Um, and the reality is that that's just wrong. Um, e email is important for a lot of reasons. One, it's one of the few things we control. We don't control social. Social's great, but you know there have been a lot of times where where the, the platforms have changed the rules. So um, you know the old one was for a long time if you had a Facebook page and you got a lot of likes, everybody liked your page, saw your posts, and then they said, "No, nah, we're not going to do that anymore." So you didn't see that. Um, then more recently, there was the um, the bot crisis, not crisis, but everybody was all hot to trot on having mini chat or a Facebook bot because, hey, you get 98% open rates and things like that. Well, then all of a sudden Facebook changes the rules and now you got to pay for that too. So, you know, there's a lot of that's that's happened. And email is the one thing that stood the test of time. Um, and, and my view is like, the reason why people say email is dead is because one, they're doing it wrong. And two, they're focused on the wrong things. Like, People will say, well, email's dead because only 20% of people are opening your emails. Okay, that's true. I have a list of like 5,500 people. So if 20% open, that means 1,100 people read my email. I don't know about you, but if I can get 1,100, I, I can't get 1,100 people to read a Facebook post I have. Um, I don't know what my reach would need to be before I do that. Maybe you could tell me, Joy, but you know, it would need to be huge. Um, and so it's one of the few things that you can actually really do. And, and if you focus on the right things, it can be successful. Well, and, and I think that's, that is really important that it's the one thing that stood the test of time. As you said that I started thinking like, what was my very first email? Do you remember what your very first email was? Well, so I, I didn't have one until college, um, and I can't remember what it actually was. Uh, well, I think I had one that was really weird, um, but then I, I pretty quickly just had my um, at college, and I just I had it just my initial or not my initials like R Clink because my name is Robert technically, although I don't like being called Robert. But so it was like R Clink at what what is it? I don't remember what the edus are. Maybe it was just whatever dot edu. I don't remember. Um, yeah. 
Well, mine, I mean, was I got, rowing, I got... mine was rowing port, which is kind of the equivalent now of what you do as a, cause I rowed and uh, it's what you would do now as your handle on social media. If you didn't use your yeah. name, you know, you'd come yeah. up with a name or whatever. But I just remember, I remember that because it was so significant getting my first email. And I too had an education when we first started. Um, so you, you mentioned that you had 5,500 people on your mailing list. And uh, I, right before we got on, we were talking about how you and I met in person. So we know yep. each other already through another online group that we're in, um, but we actually got to meet in person at uh, Amy Porterfield's Entrepreneur um, Experience event, which I went to in San Diego. You were obviously there. Uh, and I was, I was a little bit disoriented because I'd just flown in from the UK and I was, <laughs> was on a different time zone. But my ears perked up when you said I made 50000 dollars it was it off of one email or was it off of a no, series of emails it, it, it was over like over series and i did it multiple times last year so i would send a series of emails over four days make 50 grand it just kept happening um and it's kind of a long story so i i, I was doing tradition i first did a traditional launch a webinar all the things all of that stuff and i made like 50 grand and i did that so in January let, of last we, year. we have to pause for one second bobby and just uh, kind of get everybody up to speed with the language because you and I, yeah. we know the lingo, we but yeah. <laughs> we speak the yeah. language. So Bobby is an online course creator. I'm an online course creator. We've been taught by the best. We're both students of Amy Porterfield. We love her. We think she's amazing. We've both learned a ton from her. Um, we've both been building online course businesses. And so we have built these businesses and we're, we're basically obviously inviting people to join our courses because we know that our courses are transformational and yeah. make people's lives better. Bobby, you also have packets of um, legal uh, pages that online entrepreneurs can use in order to basically keep themselves safe and protected, um, yeah. like T's and C's and all that other stuff. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I have to admit, I'm not, I don't really have an online course business. <laughs> I, I'm like one of Amy's success stories, even though I don't have it all because, and that's a funny story because forever I was trying to create one, but then I realized that people don't want a course about the law. They just want me to give them the templates to solve the problem. <laughs> yeah, that's you know, true. But you have most, a business boot camp, and we're going to put yes, the link to yes. the business boot camp, and which is a mini course. Yeah, and it yeah. ties in very much to what we're talking about tonight. So we'll definitely let you plug that towards the end. But yeah. I, I think uh, I love that. But the, the, actually, that's great. It's even better that you don't have an online course because yeah. that because some people might think, oh, there's two online course creators talking about email. Yeah. I'm going to just check out actually it doesn't matter i mean the reason you get so many e-commerce emails from the people you buy stuff from is because every time they send an email they make money which is why they send the emails um yeah. they don't send as good of emails as you do but i'm you know that's that's another story and we're gonna so, talk, so, talk about that but so but i'm laughing i've got to laugh about that because somehow i got on banana republic's email list recently oh yeah and i swear i get like three emails from them a day oh yeah and I, need to, I need to unsubscribe but but it's the point you make Clearly they're making money by doing it or they wouldn't be doing it. Yeah, exactly. They are making money by doing it. And you've got to think these guys have millions and millions of subscribers and, yeah. you know, and they have very loyal um, buyers. And so yeah. they know every time they send out an email, they're going to get money coming in, which is yep. exactly why you get so many emails. So uh, now if you have a small list and you don't have millions of subscribers and you can't afford to lose 11,000 every time you send out an email, because you're going to get 11,000 more through paid advertising in the same day, then yeah, you probably don't want to be emailing three or four times a day. You want to yeah. be emailing once a week is about the, the industry average at the moment. Would you agree with that? I think so. And it depends. I mean, look, everybody would say once a week, um, I end up, there's, there's rarely a week where I only send one email. Okay. But, but people love your email. But yeah. So, yeah. yeah. But right. Okay. But that's the difference. I mean, but yeah, one a week is probably what for most people who aren't yet emailing, I would say that's what you should be shooting for. Send one email a week and you'll be good. Okay. One email a week and you'll be good. That's what you should be doing. And you should be creating yes. one piece of content per week. So yeah. we, um, in our live training, which we've just finished. So they, we did a four part live training series and, um, the replays of that can be found uh, at techpixies.com forward slash live training. But one of the trainings that I did was on what I call the sunflower effect. Uh, and it's that your your product, uh, is the stem. So your product, your service is the stem. It's what grounds your business. And then the seeds, which is in the middle of sunflower, that's your weekly content, whether it's your podcast, your live cast, your um, blog posts, which are kind of dead, the blog posts. But if you're doing podcasts or video casts, those are live and well. And then the pedals, and I spelled it P-E-D-A-L-S. I have to say that was the best email um, 
I ended up sending an email going, hey, hey, pedal gate, I got it. And I got so many responses back. You would have loved it. <laughs> but the pedals, P-E-T-A-L-S, are the way you get that out, you know, through social mm-hmm. media, um, through paid advertising, you know, through your website, through email. And uh, so that's what I teach on that. So, you know, what we're talking about right here is the pedals, how you get that information out to your customer base. Um, and you want to be creating stuff that your customer base really, really wants. So let's let's come back to the beginning of that story, yep. which was that we're at this event together where we are talking about, you know, using email to make money for your business, because let's face it, if you don't make money for your business, you're not in business. And this applies to you, it applies to me, it applies to everyone who's watching this, who has their own business or who works for somebody else and their job is to generate business. Um, And so when you said uh, multiple times over, I made 50,000 through a series of emails, let's talk about that. And and launching for those of you who are not course creators or people who, you know, it's basically a short period of time where you launch a product, you launch the sale of a product, uh, a physical product, or you launch a service and it's a short period of time. You have a start date and an end date. Uh, And it's really important that the start and the end date are there because if you don't have them, people don't make decisions. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's that. And so the other thing I would say though, is like this launch model, which is what the online course business, the online membership business, a lot of these online information product businesses are built around it. And the problem is it puts a lot of pressure on you because you're going to spend a bunch of money on advertising to get people to come to some event. It it could be a live stream. It could be a webinar. It could be what's called a challenge. There's a lot of different ways you can do it, but you're basically paying Facebook or someone else to get people to come sign up and come to your event that you're going to give some value, teach, and then hopefully they're going to buy from you. And so I did that. And I did the whole thing, the whole shebang spent, I don't know how much money I spent on on ads, but I spent a good money amount of money on ads and they performed fine. I made money, but it put a lot of pressure on me. And, you know, I made about 50 grand on that. And I say, mate, that was the revenue. I don't remember how much I spent. I think I spent probably about 10,000 on that one between everything. Um, And my plan was to just replicate that rinse and repeat, do it multiple times and see how many, you know, how much money I could make each time. Then my non-online business got in the way. I'm a lawyer by training, my law firm, all of a sudden this case came back and there was no way I was going to be able to do my next launch that was scheduled. And so I was talking to my friends and my peers and I had this wait list and they said, well, why don't you just email the wait list? See if they want to buy. I said, okay. And then I said, yeah, if I'm going to email, I might as well just email everybody. (laughs) So literally, this is how the whole thing started. And so I said, I'm going to do this low impact, no ads, just email my list and essentially kind of say, here's my thing. Do you want it? And there's more to it than that, obviously. But I I did that. And the first time I did it over, I think about a week, I think I I started the emails on a Thursday and, and, and they could buy until the next Wednesday. And a weird thing happened. I made more money on that email only launch than I had made the last time around. Wow. With all the live, the, all the effort into the yes. live launch. Yeah. It cost me nothing. It had no stress because it was like, Hey, let's just see what happens. And um, the difference was I focused, I focused on the email and I did also social media, which again, I was not great at that. I now have a team that helps me with my in-house team helps with social, but I'm not great at it. (laughs) Well, I mean, I, I, you know, I I wasn't great at it, but so again, it was fine. So that was what I did. And that was my first launch. I said, Hmm, I might be on to something here. Uh, And so then I did it again. I replicated it like three months later, again, right around somewhere between 50 and 60 grand. And then I replicated it one more time last year. And again, the same thing. And those, those, those two times I just did four days. Like I would start on a Monday and end on a Thursday. And I would make 50 to 60 grand each time. And I said, hmm, hmm, this is the way to do it. And what I realized, and the thing that's kind of come out of it for me is part of the reason I was able to do that is it's not about those emails. And it is kind of, it's about all the emails that I'm sending the rest of the time. It's the connection. Yeah. It's the connection I'm building with my audience every single week. 
And again, when I say my audience, I'm talking about the 20 to 30% who open each week. And it's not the same, but I, I mean, I mentioned my list is 5,500 now, just so you know, I personally took over 10,000 people off my list last year. Cause if they're not opening, I say, okay, bye-bye. I don't need you. Um, and so, because Wait, I folk- just, just, to, I want to jump in on that. Cause I did that too. So mm-hmm. in December, actually, I mean, I'm so inspired by you because we had a conversation about that. I asked you that yep. question. Do you, you know, do you take people off the list who aren't opening it? And the answer is yes. Two reasons. Yep. One, if you don't take them off, you're paying for them to be on there and they're not opening their stuff anyway. And two, if they're not opening it, why should they be on the list? I, so I, I emailed everybody and I said, I'm doing you a favor. I'm taking you off my list. And yep. I had all these really sweet replies, like, don't take me off the list. I want to be on. I just can't, you know, so that was, that was great. And some people were, didn't reply and they're off the list and, you know, but I, I love that. So you actually had 15,000 on your list. You took 10,000 off and that's left you with 5,500 and that's who you're emailing. And they're the people that in between the launches you're uh, talking to and getting to know. And that's what we like to call the no like and trust factor. Yeah, uh, exactly. The KLT factor. Yeah. Well, and actually just so you know, now I've got that whole process automated. So every single week people are automatically taken off my, and I say they're taken off my list. Then they get three emails that are fun and cheeky asking if they want to come back to the list or not. Um, but it, now I've got it. So I don't even have to worry about that anymore. It just happens in the background, which I love. Um, but yeah, but I realized that, that, the secret to my success was what I was doing on a weekend and week out basis, because I do something that's very different than what most people do when it comes to email. I just tell stories. I let people into my life um, and let them get to know me as a person. And, you know, some of the people say, Ooh, this guy is not for me. I'm out of here. That's cool. Well, let's talk about a couple of your stories. So I, okay. I watched um, some a little a recent video that you did, and you did a story about lice in your daughter's uh, <laughs> hair, no, or in the school. Yeah. Uh, you so did, you did an yeah. email about sweet uh, that you don't like sweet baby Jesus. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and you did an even another email that was very interesting. But those are the two that stuck out in my head. Yeah. So so the lice story that's a funny one. So this was when I was I was going to be an affiliate promoting. Amy Porterfield's course about creating a course. So for those of you who are here who don't know what that means, basically I sent emails to my list telling them about her product. And if they bought, I was going to get a a commission from it. And I did it because I know her product is great. I was already an ambassador in her program, helping her teach it, et cetera. So that's why I did it. And I was inviting them to her launch. She was doing these live webinars where she was going to teach them some stuff. And I had a series of emails written. And the day before the first one was going to go out, I get an email from my kid's school. My kid is six years old. At the time, she was five, I think. No, she's five at the time. I get an email, (laughs) I think literally like on the second week of school, that there was a confirmed case of lice in her class. Now, after my wife told me we couldn't just shave her head and burn her clothes when we came home, (laughs) I was like, okay, how do I make sure that no lice come into my house. No one wants lice. We don't like lice. Right. So I go down this like four hour, what I call the lice capade (laughs) of the internets and figuring out what do I need to do to be 100% sure it doesn't happen. And so this happened. I said, oh, I got to tell my list this story. So I tweaked it in the email that went out. uh, I told this story and then I hooked it into what I was doing by saying, I could only do that. I only had four hours free because I have a scalable business that doesn't mean that I'm trading dollars for hours. Mm-hmm. And if you want that, my friend Amy is doing this training about creating an online course and online courses are the best way to do it. So that's kind of how I did that. Mm. That was the, 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 the pivot. And that's the important thing is whatever you're doing, if it's an email about your weekly content, if it's anything like this, I teach basically a, a three-part structure. You have a hook that is a curiosity to get people interested, a story that's about you and your life. And for people like me who like TV, I say it's mainly Seinfeld stories. So stories that are really kind of about nothing, inconsequential things, but are actually about something. Then you pivot it to your call to action. Normally you're saying, go listen to my podcast, read my blog post, watch my live, whatever it is that you want them to do. And you use that structure and, what, what most people are telling you to do is all that last piece, talk about your content. And what I say is, I don't know about you, but I get a lot of those emails. I never open them. I never yeah. read them because if I want to read the content, I'm going to go read the content. 
if I want to listen to the podcast, I'm going to go to listen to the podcast. Um, well, and that hook is so important. And uh, yeah. one thing that obviously is really important in social media is the first five words, you know, because yep. whether or not someone's going to engage with the post has a lot to do with whether or not they decide they're going to engage with the post. And that has a lot to do with the first five words. And very often with emails, it has to do with the email title. And one thing that really bugs me to no end is when I get an email that's like, here's what's going on this week. And you're just like, like there's no reason for me to open that email. So you have to pull something out. If you're going to send a weekly email out, you got to pull something out that's enticing and worth opening. And their open rates will be lower if they just say, here's our weekly stuff. than if they actually go deeper and say, you know, this week we're talking to Dame Stephanie Shirley, who, you know, wrote the black box for the Concord, you know, that's going to be more interesting and more of a pull than just like, here's our weekly content. Yeah. And, and, like when you, if you make a shift and do story-based emails like I do, it's really easy because the hook is something from your story. It's, it's the moment of high drama if there is one, or, you know, you made, you made a reference to my, um, I don't like sweet baby Jesus. I said, I thought, I thought that was great. In in the UK, that would go down just fine. Yeah. But in so US- here in the States, here in the States, <laughs> yeah, people, and, and just, just for, for your reference, I did this on Easter week. So this know, went out on it. Tuesday of Easter week and it was not a reference Sacrilege. to Jesus, the person. It was a reference to, there's a beer here called sweet baby Jesus, which I think is an abomination of a beer. And so, I mean, I use that, that subject line, but like, if you do something that controversial, the very first line in the email was before you get mad, I'm not talking about the person. Um, <laughs> Because I wanted to be very clear. But the thing is, like, when you do those things and there's something curiosity driven in your headline that, you know, people are like, what in the world? And especially what I like to say is if you have a story that that you figure out a way to link it up, but they're going to be like, what in the world is this person talking about? And what does it have to do with blank, whatever you do, if it's business, business, you know, whatever, if you, there's going to be confused until they get the hook and they're going to be like, ah, I get it now. Then that is the best kind of story. So one of the things you talk about is when you're structuring an email, you've got the hook and then you got the story and then you got the CTA, which is the call to action. Now, um, we talked a lot earlier about how women struggle with the concept of money and the talk, you know, talking about money and dealing, you know, dealing with money. I'm even uncomfortable even saying the word money, right? It's to me, it's like saying the word vagina, like really uncomfortable with that word. So I, you know, to me, those are two things I'm very uncomfortable with, but a lot of women who come to our program who have been offline and they're coming back online uh, or they're coming on to online for the first time through our course, uh, many women will be coming online. We, we, we have a, a social media success path, which goes from a savvy spectator to a savvy dabbler, to a savvy star, to a savvy superstar, hence all the stars. But the spectator is the one that watches, but doesn't comment. The dabbler is the one that watches comments and maybe posts occasionally. And the star is the one that really is under control. They know how to post properly. They're engaging, et cetera. And the superstar is the one that knows how to take that social media following and get it onto an email list and get it into an email sequence and get them to buy products, et cetera. So that's, that's the progression that a lot of these women are coming through. And many of them, when they come into our program, are spectators and dabblers. Some of them are stars, but most of them are spectators and dabblers. So one question that's already come up is how... How do you make the stories more? How do you open up about yourself? How do you talk about your personal stuff and not business stuff? And why is it important to talk about the personal stuff versus the business stuff? Well, I'll start with the why first, because I think that's actually easier for me to answer. So the why is very simple. Um, It's that people buy from people that they know, like, and trust. Oh, and, you said what I wanted you to say. Yes, Thank you. I, I mean, it, it, it's a people no brainer, <laughs> but, but, but yeah, they buy from people. And what I say is online, we are all personal brands, whether we want to admit it or not, we are all personal brands. Even if we use a name other than ours for a brand at the end of the day, what people want to know is, do I like that person? And so it's the thing that makes you, you, it's the reason why people are going to choose you instead of the person who is a quote competitor because they're different than you. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? It's the reason why people pick me for their legal stuff instead of, you know, there's, there's a bunch of other lawyers out there. Some of them are stiff and not a lot of fun. You know, one of them, there's a woman who like markets herself as the sparkliest lawyer in the world or something like that. For some people, that's their thing. Cool. 
find your thing, find your people. And so it's that, but, but more importantly, and I love that I actually get to do this on a video because anytime I talk about this, I, um, I do this signal, this, which I don't know if you can see it, but it uh, is the, yeah, it is the sign language symbol for me too. Oh, and really? it is, so wait, I know let's, it, gotta, it's going on the podcast too. So let's describe it. It's actually like a Texas longhorn. <laughs> well, no, it's actually like the hang loose sign. Okay. But like back and forth between you and the person you're pointing at. And okay. it is the symbol where you're basically saying, I have that in common with you. I know this because of my daughter and her class. They do it. It's a way to like, instead of, oh, me too, me too. They're supposed to do that so that it, they don't yell. But I learned this and it is this thing that people want to have something in common with other people. We are naturally tribal. And again, um, I don't know, you know, for your UK folks, I don't know your kind of football. I know my kind of football here in the U S like well, we call it American football in no. the U S <laughs> yeah, no, but we just call it football here in the right. UK. Yeah. It's but soccer. so let me tell you, let me tell you this funny story that will help you to understand why this is interesting. So I had to be in London for business. This was 15 years ago when I was a lawyer and I had to be there for a whole, like two weeks, over a weekend in the middle of the college, American, American college football season. And I go to the concierge in my hotel on a Saturday and I say, is there any chance that there's a bar somewhere that might be playing these games? I said, I don't know. But if so, it's this one. I go there. I went to the University of Texas, which is the burnt orange is our color. I walk into the bar and I'm surrounded by burnt orange. It happened to be the bar where the University of Texas alum of London gathered every single week to watch the game. Well, I felt like I was friends with these people. I don't know them at all. I've never met them since, but we have that one thing in common. You need to find that one thing you have in common with all of your people. And it won't be the same thing. It'll be different thing with different people. But when you share your life, you allow them to find the one thing that they can say me too, mm. and that allows them to feel connected to you. And I've had it from like anything from like this morning, I sent an email about um, my, my podcast episode today was about what the lessons I learned from poker that are helpful to me as an entrepreneur. And one of my, the people on my list, he me back said, huh my ex-husband was a poker or professional poker player. And it's like little things like that, that I can't plan. I can't know that. Yeah. But if I share enough things about my life, people will do it. By the way, when I sent that, I don't like sweet baby Jesus. I got like four response people like, I love that beer. And I was like, I don't know what's wrong with you, but okay. you know. <laughs> and so that's why you share your life because it allows people to see this. And I will make an analogy for social that um, it's not a, it's a direct story for social. One of my uh, friends, uh, Coach Glitter is what she goes by, but it's Tiffany Lee Bymaster. She teaches people how to use live video. And one of the things she talks about is on Instagram, the stories that she does that get the most con, like most reaction that people love the most are about her making celery juice. That's what people want to know, you know, and, and it has nothing to do with her business, but it's a connection that people yeah. can have with you. And so that's the why. Now, as to the how, there's a couple of levels of problems there, right? Some people's problem is they're just not comfortable sharing and being vulnerable. That I would say you need to do some mindset work. Um, I, you know, I, I don't know that there's a good answer there, but what I would say is, is dabble, try it out. And, and see also, what you don't have to share your deepest, dark, sorry, I've got a cat on my lap. You don't have to share, he's loving this. Yeah, you don't so, have to share your deepest, darkest secrets all the time on social yeah. or on in emails, but it's about that personal connection. So, yeah. you know, I was actually, it was so funny because I watched your video on the email thing and I was like, okay, I got to think about this with my email. And then I thought about the story where the first time, and so some people will get this email tomorrow, but probably not the people watching. But I, I was thinking about um, this one time that I went and bought my first lottery ticket in the UK because I was mm -hmm. like, well, listen, you know, the upside if I win, I, you know, I've got a couple million in the bank. The, you know, the downside if I win, if I don't win, it's like every, every other week and every other day. But the interesting thing is, is the very first lottery ticket I bought, I won. Mm -hmm. And I won 25 pounds and I was like, wow, in the UK, you can really win. So I gave my 25 pounds, <laughs> I gave my 25 pounds to um, the homeless shelter around the corner. Like literally I'm like, Hey, I won 25 pounds. And I like, you know, like I gave it to them 
and I, and I did, and I walked home. So proud. I was like, this is so cool. If I can, you know, win every time I'll, this is awesome. And then I haven't won since, <laughs> but I think, you know, the good news is like, and this, and the, the, the segue to this is actually the tech pixies course is not like lottery. You're not, it's not, is it going to work? Is it not going to work? It, it does work. And it's worked for hundreds of women before you. So, you know, the good news is, is it's not a lottery. It's not a gamble as to whether or not it's going to work. If you put the work in, you've got all the tools you need to return to work, change careers and start a business. But I just, I was like, oh, wow, that's such a simple story, but it really ties in. And it was, you know, through listening to you talk about how you tied in stories that I, I thought, well, I'll give that a try and see how it goes. Well, and, and let me like, so literally, let me demonstrate the point of personal connection. Okay. From that story, you told that story about the lottery. I can tell you, I bought lottery tickets. I don't want to say I've never won, but I definitely didn't win the first time. But you know what my mind immediately went to? The very first time I played poker in a casino live, I won a jackpot. It was like $2,000. Wow. And so literally that's a demonstration of, I immediately feel a level of connection with you because you told that story that if you didn't tell, I would not have felt with you. And that's the kind of thing that comes through. And, and you are absolutely right. You don't have to tell like deep, dark secrets. Most of my emails are not deep and, you know, sad. Some of them are like, I shared the story of my dad being in a plane crash right before my last year of law school. And, and, you know, I share things I have chosen to do that partly because I've found that the more I share, the more people connect with me. So I have chosen to be crazy vulnerable. That being said, my wife has said, I can tell stories about her and my kid, but I can't put any pictures yeah. of her or my kid on social. So, you know, there's limits to what I can do there. And, yeah. and, you know, that's just kind of the nature of things. You figure out your place and, and what fits with you. But this is also why thinking of it as Seinfeld, uh, of little stories and personal vignettes that are really kind of seemingly about nothing, but you can make about something are powerful. Like, um, you know, some of the l stories I tell are, you know, I've, I've told this story. Um, <laughs> so for people... Um, who, who don't know launch, when you're doing a webinar, you want people to show up live because if they show up live, they're much more likely to connect with you and, and they will buy more likely. So um, you send emails to try to get people to send live. So when I was doing these, those, the last email I sent that would go out 10 minutes before I would go live, the subject line was the best advice I ever received. And I told the story about my friend who was also a lawyer, um, he was getting married and his dad was also a lawyer and we were about like I was in the wedding. We were about to head out and his dad pulls us. I said, let's go to the bathroom. We said, we don't have to go to the bathroom. He said, you never pass up an opportunity to go to the bathroom. And so that's the story. That's it. That's the sum total of the story. And I use that and I segue to say, so if you need to go to the bathroom, go now so that you can show up live <laughs> for the training. I was trying to figure out like what happened in the bathroom that was so like, did no, he, and that's his dad say don't get married and it changed nope. your life. Nope. And that's what I'm saying. Like people, and that's what I'm saying. You were, you were sitting there saying, how is he bringing this back to, and so <laughs> that's the thing. And, and you get that reaction where people, when you tie it in and they go, <laughs> and just a little chuckle. And so that's when you use these little stories, little tidbits and, you know, again, there was nothing profound or making me vulnerable about that story. I mean, some people wouldn't like maybe telling a story about going to the bathroom, but, you know, whatever. I mean, you know, that's the kind of thing I share. Well, yeah. And that's, that's not deep and dark, but it's, you nope. know, it's the bathroom. So, but, and, and the thing is, is I, I know someone's going to ask this or who's watch, listening to this or watching this uh, not live because we're doing it live. And I've got some questions that have built up in the comments, which is great. So I'll get to those in a minute, yep. but um the, the people who are listening to this kind of sec like later, uh, some of them will be running businesses where the owner of the business doesn't want to be the kind of storyteller front man, front woman. Um, and so I would love to know your advice for when someone's working for a brand rather than working for a person and how they get that, uh, what they do with that messaging. Well, look, it, it's going to be a different approach, right? But still try to find stories and in that case, try to find stories from people who bought from you, try to find, you know, things that are happening, you know, again, maybe they just let the, the brand like spokesman. So let's, let's just say that you were the marketing, the marketing officer. And again, you probably wouldn't have that title, but let's say you're the marketing officer. I would almost suggest 
that you suggest to the company that you be allowed to treat it almost like you were the person and you tell your stories. There's risk in that for the company, right? Because they're building a connection with you, not or the brand. Or job security for you, you know. Right, right. But I'm just saying, you know, it's going to perform way better than bland, here's our stuff, emails. Yeah. You know, here's our stuff, emails. Nobody, I mean, they work, but, you know, and again, if you're a big company, that's what's going to be the nature of the thing. Um, but, but I the, love your idea too about bringing your customers to life yeah. and telling your customer yeah. stories and yeah. And having, you know, having a person who's interviewing them and telling their stories. Um, and, and that's actually the advice that I gave to a, a, a gal who's going through our program for the second time. And yeah. she was saying, look, I can't get the owners of the business to go live uh, or to, t- or to tell their stories. And I said, well, start telling the stories of the amazing women who are benefiting from the app that you guys run. So I, I think, yeah, I think breaking it down and, and, you know, and maybe the customers, especially when you get to that big level, they, they then become, I think when you're a small business and when I say small business, like, you know, your turnovers, you know, less than a couple million or less than a million, maybe, you know, then you really have that connection with people. But once you get over that million mark, especially with the brands that I've worked with in the past, when they're, you know, a million, two million, 10 million plus business, it's harder to connect personally. So you have to find different ways to do that. Um, And it's definitely harder for the founders of those companies to really connect. But I, I do think that the businesses who have, like what I hate is going to a website in fact, I did this today because we were we were looking at uh, for a WordPress developer to help us because um, our our big developer, the one who's been with me for years, is is go is leaving not in a bad way but in a good way. And I was like, oh, let's go look around and see what we can find. And I found a, a local Oxford company that does WordPress. But I went on the website and there wasn't a single person on it. There wasn't a here's our story. Here's how we got started. Here's who I am. And I thought. You know, and that frustrates me. And when I look at websites that Tech Pixies build, I'm always looking for the personal element. Where's the woman behind the business? Because you're right, people buy from people and people buy from people they know, like, and trust. I love how you add that little KLT factor to the end, but you need that personal touch. And that's why social, quite honestly, is, is, is a way for people to generate business because they connect with other people. And we've been talking a lot the last week in the cohorts about why putting your picture up on social and telling your story on social is not actually narcissistic. If you do it in the right way, it's about connecting with your audience. Um, And the last, oh, sorry. Can I I add something? Number one, a couple of things. First, if you find yourself in that situation where you are kind of the marketing person and the founders don't, the advice that Joy gave is great. But the other piece of advice I'd give you is keep working on them. Because if you can get them to be out there, it's going to be more. And I'll just tell you, like, I connect a lot, but my social media person now is saying, I need you to go live more. I need you to be on stories more. And so keep working on them. Um, That's the first thing I would tell you. Um, And then the second piece, oh, what was I going to say? It was, what did you say at the end there? Because it had to do with what you were saying at the end. Uh, I've, okay. prob- I've probably forgotten, but it, maybe it'll come back to me. Oh, the, the putting your own pictures up in your own videos. Ah, yes. So this has been the big shift that, that I have done for my social is, you know, my picture, but then also I don't put other people's quotes up anymore. Yeah. We put my quotes up and yeah. my social media person basically said, like when she came on, she said, can you do me a favor? Can you just write down some Bobbyisms? And so I spent 30 minutes to an hour and I wrote down five pages on Google Sheets of Bobbyisms, which basically those are the quote pains we use. And they are my voice and they are sassy and they are in your face and they are sorry, not sorry, because that's who I am. And those things are performing way better than any of the, you know, the random, you know, quotes you can find from other people. So, you know, add your picture and add you. I love that. And I'll tell you why I love that, because we've just started teaching that shift from when you know what your customers and your your following like, then you need to shift it back to you and your company. So a lot of people, when they're getting started with social, they'll use third-party content. I mean, this is like all the rage, probably three, four or five years ago, where everything you would post to be third-party content, none of it would be your own content. Now, in order to generate lead, leads and clicks to your website and sales, you've got to be posting your own content. And uh, But what I love about the quote thing 
is that is exactly what it is. You, you can post other people's stuff all the time, but actually once you get to a certain point, and I'd say on social, when you're hitting about a thousand followers, that's when you become the authority in your space, because that's, I think a thousand is like that in my head, a thousand is like an authority number. There's a thousand people online that think you're cool enough to follow. And that's when the content really has to shift back to you, what you believe, what you think, what your product is. And that's what you're putting out on social because people are following you because of what they appreciate about you. And you can have third-party interviews. Like right now I'm interviewing yeah. you because first of all, you've got a take on email that I love and it's different to me and I'm learning so much from you. And it's an opportunity to expose my amazing audience and my wonderful women in our program to someone who really knows what they're talking about when it comes to email. So I, I, you know, I think it's really important that you then, but I'm still interviewing you. I'm still mm -hmm. the face in the video. I've got the questions. Some of them are coming from the ladies, but a lot of the questions are from myself and I'm engaging the conversation. So it's, it's not like I just said, Oh, Bobby, can you write a, can you write a blog post? I'm going to pop it up on my, on my website. I, you know, I actually wanted to interview you in front of everybody so that we could have that connection with each other, but also with our audience so that they can, yeah connect with you as well and learn something from you too. Yeah. Yeah. And, and speaking of third-party content, it, now it's not so much third-party content, but they're like, I don't know where, like I was seeing recently, everybody seemed to be posting the same thing. If I were going to give a TEDx, if I told you I was giving a TEDx speech, what would you think it was about? I don't know where that came from, but I must've seen it on 50 people's social media. And I was like, by the third time, I'm like, seriously, I'm seeing this again. And like, it took all of my power to not be like sassy, copying other people. Posting <laughs> third, you know, I was like, nope, not gonna do it, not gonna do it, not gonna do it. But you know, again, the problem is like, look, shortcuts, we have to use some sometimes, but at the end of the day, like you said, at some point, people need to know that they like you, not that you curate someone else's content. Yeah. And you have to, and actually that's a great point because it takes a while to find your voice. Yeah. Um, I have to say a uh, tech Pixies has been going now for, we just finished our fourth year. We're now in our fifth year. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I feel like I've just found the tech Pixies voice in the last year. Like, yeah. I feel like I finally speak the language that the ladies that we want to be coming through our program speak. And what we're finding is the last few cohorts, and we have an, we've had an amazing group of women who's come through over the last four years. But what I'm finding in the last few cohorts is uh, I, they, the language is it, it's matching up, you know, and, and what we're saying online and what they're saying online, it's matching up. And, and we're really, we're go, we've gone really deep on understanding who that woman we're trying to work with is, how she thinks, what she wants, the change and the transformation she wants in her life. And that's exciting for me, but I, I honestly feel like I've been doing this for four and a half years and I've been in marketing and I've been doing websites and blogs and social media since social media existed, but I've been in this online world since 2003. And I've never, you know, in, in the 17 years that I've been doing it, I had to check what, what year we were in. In the 17 <laughs> years that I've been doing this, I, I feel like I've never found the voice in the way that we finally did find it. But I feel like I've been in this for four years before I really found it. So what do you think about that? Your brand voice, it, does it take a while to find? And, and yeah, It's ever evolving. Um, so I, I think you will constantly find your brand voice and discover it more. So, so there's a couple of things. One, you need to know the language that your customers speak. And that is partly about doing the work. And, um, I like to tell people that asking questions is great, but at the end of the day, what really helps you get that knowledge in a very deep way is just living it and being a part of the community and being there constantly. And, and that's why I like to say that, you know, as a, as one of the lawyers serving online entrepreneurs, I think I connect better because I spend all day, every day, just being there, being in the communities, listening, not asking questions so much, but just kind of reading. So I understand the, the, the phrases people are using, the, the concerns they have, the themes that I see coming up over and over again. So that's one part of it is understanding your audience. Um, but then like the other thing I would say is like, and this is like, I did kind of one of my more popular, but somewhat controversial podcast episodes was I said, let's quit with the silly ICA work, the silly work of going and finding your ideal customer avatar, where you define what color is her eyes and what books does she read and what, what magazines does she read and what TV shows does she watch? Because if I did all that, 
a lot of my customers probably watch the real housewives of whatever. I believe those shows are what is wrong and what will be the death knell of society. So I can't talk. So there's no way I can like talk about those shows because that wouldn't be me. Yeah. And so you have to understand what your particular kind of style and, and for a long time, I modulated myself because I'm the person who's likely to just kind of tell you it the way it is and to tell you, you know, sorry, not sorry. Yes, you do have to create a new piece of content every week. Oh, but I don't want to. No, well, okay. If <laughs> you're serious you're about your, your I'm like, if you're serious about your business, you need to do this. Yeah. And, you know, and then people are like, oh, well, if I email people every week, won't people unsubscribe? I'm like, yeah. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and I love that. You said that you're like, actually, if I don't get a, what did you say? If I don't get spam a complaint. spam notification, like if someone's not notified the mail server that I'm working with that I've, I've sent a spam email, then I'm, something's wrong. Yeah. If, if I go two weeks without a spam complaint, I start to say, am I being too bland? Because again, am, I, am I not edgy enough? Yeah, because, and it's not about being edgy in the sense of like intentionally trying to be polarizing, but I think we all naturally want to try to not offend people. And so we're all kind of reining ourselves in constantly. And the reality is like, I know I'm not sending spam. I'm not sending people emails when they didn't want to be on my list. If they asked to get off, I, I put them off. And I tell people this all the time. I get more spam complaints about my weekly emails where I'm simply telling people, here's something of value than I do when I'm actually selling something. Wow, that's really interesting. Yeah, so that tells me it's not actually spam. Yeah. That's the problem. Yeah. I mean, recently I, I sent an email to anyone who had gotten one of my legal templates, my privacy policy, including people who had gotten it for free, telling them, hey, I don't think you need an update on, because of this new law and here's the reason why, but I'm going to go ahead and create one anyway, just in case you'll be seeing that in the next couple of weeks. I had a bunch of people marked out as spam. Now, for the life of me, I don't know why they marked that one as spam because there was nothing, nothing about it. But my view is that we, like if you really want to attract the right people, and this is true on social, on, on email, on anything else, you're going to have to be willing to repel the people who aren't for you. And you know, some of that is just like, if you don't like, like, I'm really, I'm really leaning into this now. And I, I created a new um, funnel to bring people in on a freebie I've got. Okay. And wait, the first on, wait yeah. just pause for a Explain second. a funnel. Got to explain a funnel. So yep. a funnel is, explain that to our listeners. So basically this is a way where people are going to get something free from me and they, they have to answer a couple of questions and then it puts them in the right place based upon their answers. But all of them are going to get this first email and it includes the poop emoji. And then right after that sentence, I put in parens, I said, and if you're the kind of person who would have been offended if I'd spelled out, and then I put the poop emoji again, I say, <laughs> I invite you to go ahead and click on that unsubscribe button below because I'm probably going to use that in the future. I love that. And then late, literally in the next email that goes out like two days later, I use the word and I put in parens. I told I you so. I love so, that. Again, yeah. I'm just being me because I actually do. That's how I, that's how I talk. And I, and I don't cuss at people, but I do use the S word because sometimes I think it's the best darn word there is to apply in a given situation. Yeah. Um, and so this is kind of my view on things. It's like, I've come around this and, and, but can, can I, that's actually a really yeah. important point because when you're talking about the three parts, you're talking about the hook, the story and the CTA. So your CTA is the call to action to get people to go and listen to that podcast or, yep. or download that freebie or, you know, whatever it is. And, but chances are by the time they're in your email, they've gone through that funnel where you've, you know, they've, you've asked them for a few things like their name, yep. their email, and, you know, then they, they've gotten the, the freebie and then they go into an email series and, you know, so but the point is, is the call to action is also that third part where you're getting them to do something. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and, and that's absolutely right. And, and so, um, but I guess my point is simply that it, it, my view is always going to be, if I can, if I can sort and sift people, great. And, and I don't mean that in a bad way. Um, I just, you know, there are some people who they're not going to connect with me through email and that's okay. And I want to, you know, go ahead and sort them out as early as possible. I'm actually, I'm leaning into something. I'm going to send some of my greatest hits emails like the, I don't like sweet baby Jesus. Um, I sent a, a, a famous, my very first story based email was the subject line is in quotes, why are you sending me pictures of you with random women? It was a text. Oh 
<laughs> it was a text my wife sent me when, Joy, you'll get a kick out of this. Uh, not not the 2019 Amy Porterfield event, but the 2018 one. She photobombed me. And I didn't find this until later. And I sent it to my wife. I was on the West Coast, but I live on the East Coast. So she was asleep already. I wake up the next morning to that response from her because I didn't even think about the fact that, you know, my wife wouldn't know who these two people she are. Know who they are. Yeah, but literally, you know, someone's photobombing me like this. I'm like, <laughs> that's a hilarious picture. And so, so that was the very first story-based email I sent, which again, there was a couple of things. Highest open rate ever by men. Highest yeah. response rate by men who were like, who literally, I had multiple of them write me back thinking like saying, I thought I had been, I thought I had been hacked and that I was responding then to them with that. But that was one piece, but also I got, and this was the important thing. I got an email from someone because before that, my emails had always been in this week's podcast. I talk about this and I tell you this and you learn that and blah. It was, it was boring. Yeah. So I send that email and I get a response from one who'd been on my list forever. And she said, I've been on your list. And quite honestly, before this, I never thought I would ever do business with you because you were just a company. But oh, I got wow. this and I'm like, you might be somebody I actually want to do business with. And literally the very first email that I did this, I got that email. And so, you know, me being, you know, a, a recovering caveman, I was like, Ooh, people like I do more. <laughs> you know, that was literally the extent of, of the encouragement I needed. That's so funny. Well, you've given us a lot of time. I have a couple questions that have come through. And obviously, if people are watching live, they always can ask questions. So go ahead and ask them now because this is your opportunity to ask uh, Bobby Klink, the email specialist and legal guru, any question that you uh, have. So a couple of these I know the answers to, but I'll ask it anyway. Um, it says, does Bobby's course translate into legal terms for the UK? Um, and obviously I've asked you that question because I wanted to buy your legal stuff. So um, the answer is, you know, the answer is it would, you'd be better off finding someone in the UK who has templates. Um, my free, all my trainings are free. So all of we those, could you could probably, you in, in the yeah. UK. Why don't yeah, so, you just get like a UK barristers thing and then you sort it out over here. Cause I'm doing everything I can to stop being a lawyer. I mean, I'm going to keep doing this, but, but, <laughs> No. Um, look, if you can find a UK lawyer who has templates, you'll be better off. Um, what I would say is my templates will be better than nothing because yeah. we Americans, we're like, you know, we like, oh, we don't like to admit litigious. it. Well, no, no, but also we're kind of your children. Like our legal system came from your legal system there in the UK. So they're very similar. Um, but you would be better off if you could find someone in the UK, but the training that I offer for free, that stuff is largely talking about general principles that you could at least learn from. Okay. Awesome. Uh, another question. I also know the answer to this, but a wait list, what's a wait list that, you know, again, yeah. terminology. So, so a wait list, what happened was if you're doing, even if you're not doing a launch, most online things where you do like a big product, you will only sell it during certain periods. Like you'll have it available for two weeks and that's it. And then it'll be three months where people can't buy it. So if you use that model, often you let people get on a wait list and say, hey, I want this. I want this. Let me be the first one to know. And so that was the concept. I had done that with my big product. And my big product was, it's called my template library. I basically give people all of my templates for one price. And so people missed the last launch or maybe the timing wasn't right for money. And so they wanted to be on the wait list for the next time I was going to like, going to sell it and they could buy it. Well, you can do that for a physical product as well. Yes. Like if you're launching a new product and you want someone to be the first to know about it so that, you know, cause like, for example, if there's a new design coming out and you have a limited edition, you know, you can, you can get prompt people onto that as well. So I think yep. that that's what the wait list is really great for. Okay. Then there was another question that says, Oh, can you get the, can she, can you say the name again of the lady who does the, the video teaching Tiffany? Yep. So it's Tiffany Lee Bymaster, but online she is Coach Glitter. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh! I will you make an introduction to her? I mean, I have to interview her just because she's got the word glitter in her. You know, she's Coach Glitter. Do you see the glitter I've got? Yeah. So, 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 so that you know, she is she's Amy stylist. So she was the one who picked all of the outfits that Amy was. Oh. She worked with Amy to pick those outfits. Okay, so she wait, is. Hold on, hold on. We gotta explain. So no. Amy was at the, she ran the entrepreneur's experience. She had the best outfits ever. And one of yeah. them was this like glitter, uh, sequin, sequin. rainbow 
It was amazing. Yeah, jacket that said queen on the back, I think, right? Was it, was, it queen? Yeah, it did say queen on the back. It was awesome. Okay, so that's so cool. So Coach Glitter. So you yeah. have to make an introduction to me. We all want to know who Coach Glitter is. Yeah, yeah. So um, you like, if you go online, just follow literally on Instagram is the place to follow her at Coach Glitter. She teaches all about how to do live video. Oh my gosh. That's so cool. All right. All right. So hopefully that I just, I know I like kind of dropped a, Oh my gosh, hopefully that <laughs> translates online. Um, Catherine says great advice on working with, uh, with established business and marketing their stories. Uh, yeah. And Marie says, love it. Awesome. What a name. I think she's talking about coach glitter. I totally agree. I hope so. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. I hope so too. Right. Exactly. Okay. Awesome. Well, I've been able to ask you lots of questions. Um, what, one thing that I would just want to touch on, because I think this is important. So, um, you've, we talked about the, uh, and, and we will stop because we're almost at the hour point and I don't like to go over an hour when we do the long ones, but this is so good. And you've been so generous with your time, but, um, we, we both are, you know, obviously we just talked about Amy, we're both fans of hers. She has list builder society, which I'm a huge fan of on how to build your mailing list. Um, mm -hmm. and you've got your boot camp. Yep. So tell us about your boot camp, and also just tell us about the importance of building your mailing list and some of the tactics you can do to do that. And I know your boot camp touches on that. So I'm hoping that this yep. is a good tie in and a great way to, to wrap things up. Yeah. So look, I mean, my view, um, what I like to say is that building an building a business whether it's online or otherwise it's not hard it is hard but it's simple um and what i mean by that is it's not about doing really complex ninja tactics that stuff doesn't work what matters are the basics so create great content you know do social right and build an email list and build it the right way and if you're doing those things and and have the right mindset you're going to be in good shape. And so what happened was as I was promoting Amy's product, her, her digital course Academy, which is about creating a course, she wanted, she was telling people, you need to already have an email list before you sign up for this, or you need to at least know how to do it. And I was finding a lot of people on my list saying, well, I'm not there yet. I don't have the number she wants me to have. And so I decided I was just going to create a list builders bootcamp. It's a five part uh, training that walks you through. If you don't know it all, if you're starting from scratch, it teaches you. I mean, I don't tell you necessarily what systems to pick, but I walk through in a very concrete way, you know, how to do these things to build your list. And I did it and I was giving it away for free. And people were like, wait, what? People thought it was crazy that I would give it away for free. I said, why not? Yeah. And then I added a, a, I think it's a three or four part content um creation boot camp to it because people need to be doing that as well yeah and and it's a natural follow-on because you need to be doing both and yeah. so that's all and i packaged it up and i now just have a business building boot camps which you get those two maybe sometime a lot of social media boot camp i don't know but i'm not a pro at that so it would be weird um but, i can help you out with that yeah but. <laughs> yeah but anyway so you know i just wanted to give people this and it's kind of my Standard, if they're trying to find me about the business stuff, not the legal stuff, it's kind of where people enter into my world. Yeah. So, I mean, one thing I talked about recently was uh, a lot of products based companies will, the trigger to get onto their mailing list is going to be a discount. So if you yep. give them an email, they'll give you an instant mm -hmm. discount. That's usually the way they get you onto the list. And yep. actually uh, we, I was talking about Emma Bridgewater, which is a very famous pottery company here. If you get onto their list and you buy a few things, you go into their buyer's club and then you get yep. even better discounts. And so yep. they segment their list that way. So list segmentation, we didn't go into, but it is important. Um, but you know, so whether you have a product or a service, um, offering free content as in a, a free download that helps them out uh, or doing like we did the free training, um, you know, to decide whether or not they think they should be in our course, our bigger course that we charge for, um, or, you know, like your boot camp to see whether or not they can get a list going and get a content out there. It's, it's, it's really important to have something to give people on a weekly basis, um, you know, so that, that you're, no, you're building up that no like and trust factor. And I think one of the things that you said, and we talk a lot about it in social 
social media, consistency is king or queen, however you want to say it, but being consistent. So if you're going to show up every week, show up every week. And um, I think really with the exception of two weeks this last year, which were Christmas and uh, Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve, which happened to follow fall on two Tuesdays that I usually do my stuff. I wasn't live. I've been live every single week for 52 weeks straight. And that's had a huge impact on the business and on my ability to connect with people. So I think that advice is really important that you got to do it, you know, whether you like it or not, if you want to build that list, if you want to build an online on business, those that's the fundamentals and you don't have to do much more than the fundamentals to get it off the ground, but you've got to do the fundamentals. Um, so where do people find your business bootcamp? What's the link? So you can just go to bobbyclink.com forward slash or BB bootcamps. So bobbyclink.com forward slash BB bootcamps. Okay. And we'll so put that in the show notes as well. Yeah. And again, if, you know, if people don't need the bootcamps, but just want to see what my emails are like, you just go to bobbyclink.com and I actually have something which is against what most online entrepreneurs teach, but I have something on my front page where people can just sign up for my email list. That's because, how I found it. So there yeah. you go. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people have just have, have heard about my emails and so they want to get on the list. So yeah, if that's what you're having, you can do that. Well, uh, and then Shainara says, is this going to be on uh, replay? Yes, um, it's on Facebook Live. So uh, Facebook archives all our videos. They are on every week. And also it goes on to the podcast. So if you prefer to listen rather than watch, uh, that's an option too. And the podcast is Sparkle and Thrive and it's on all the major podcast things. Uh, you can also get to it from the website, techpixies.com. Oh, Bobby, thank you so, so, so much. This was such a such a treat to get to speak to you. And, um, you know, you really are the email guru. And if you want to see some good emails, go jump on Bobby's email list. Uh, and any final parting words that you have for us tonight, any, any sage advice that you want to give people who are worried about putting themselves out there, getting that list built, et cetera. Well, two things, one, just do it. Um, but then also kind of what, what, what my tagline, um, that I think on, on email, if I can get people to shift this one mindset, I say you attract people with content, you nurture with you. And so that's why you've got to be open to, to be vulnerable, to share your life in your emails. Cause that's what emails are all about. They're nurturing people from cold. I don't really know who this person is to hopefully into a raving fan. Yeah, I love it. Well, thank you so much. And I'm looking forward to my introduction to Coach Glitter. And I uh, hope you have a great rest of your day and really appreciate your time. Yeah, well, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.